Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 39 of The Word in Youth Ministry. My name is Kyle, and I'm here as usual with my friends Matt and Linda, and we are excited to talk about evangelism, and more particularly, training students to evangelize here on this episode. And Matt, how are you doing today in the great state of Texas? Doing well. You know, last night I was on the driving range, and this weird and crazy thing happened. Some wind from the north blew in. And I felt just a tiny bit of cool air hit me on the side of the face. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was, but it was, uh, it was kind of fun. And uh, what's the current average temperature in the great state of Texas as we record this? Yeah, so yesterday, our high was 91 in mm. late October. Today, our high is like 81. So it's pretty exciting right now. Wow. Almost as exciting as Linda, since we last recorded or around when we last recorded, you survived your first hurricane or serious hurricane in Florida. True. Yeah. Lived here for about a year and a half. And finally, the first hurricane came through um, and pretty much nothing happened at my house. People not far from me experienced some major flooding. I never even lost power. Um, So, but in terms of what it's done to the, like, Ever since then, all of a sudden, it's not like the rainy hot season. It's like been, it it was very cool after the hurricane came through and then it's been up and down, but it's, it's more temperate in Florida than it is apparently where um, Matt is in Texas. So, and Linda, did that cancel, did that cancel any youth events, the hurricane coming through? Uh, I'm trying to remember what day it came through it. I think it came through in the middle of the week, maybe Thursday was the worst day Mm -hmm. and everything was okay by Sunday. Yeah. So nothing got canceled for us, just schools for a couple of days. Where you guys are at, you know, coming up here soon here in the great state of Ohio, emphasis on great state of Ohio. We'll, we'll have to cancel youth group for snow and such, but we'll talk about that uh, when we get there, but more importantly than the weather, although the weather does influence ministry, uh, today, we do want to talk about evangeliz- uh, evangelization and how to evangelize students and share the gospel, because here on the Word in Youth Ministry, what we want to focus on is how we can use the Bible to not only uh, teach the next generation, but train them. And if, the, if what the Bible says is true, and we obviously believe that it is, then we need to take this good news, the gospel, and not only share it with students, but train them so they can share it with other students. So uh, we're just going to work down through a few questions that we hope are helpful for our listeners today. And Matt, I want to start with you. Um, just generally, when when you hear the phrase and thinking about it as a youth worker, training students to evangelize, uh, what comes to mind? I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is that evangelism is um, is less a program that you do and more of a way of life, particularly an orientation of the heart. Um, and so when we think about sharing our faith, um, I, uh, yeah, I want us to push back against this idea that there's some sort of big event oriented or program oriented thing that we need to do, but rather that our, that our students care about their friends and want them to come in the same kind of living and 
uh, a life-giving relationship that they have with Jesus. That's just my first gut reaction to it. Great. And we're going to come back in a, in a moment, but first I'm going to go to Linda. How about you? When you hear this, what, what generally comes to mind training students to evangelize? Yeah. I mean, I think about, do students know, um, that they should be thinking about this, right? Like, do they realize spreading the gospel is something that, um, we want that to be something that's on their hearts. Um, do they feel equipped? Do they even know how to explain the gospel? Um, and then do they know what sorts of maybe like support and resources are available to them in this? Um, those are sort of the general things that come to my mind immediately for it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I I just think it's a great point. Like I like that, that Linda makes there because I mean, it's kind of like when you're a teacher and you're teaching something, it helps you to learn it deeply. Um, and I think there are definitely technical things that we need to know about when it comes to sharing our faith, i.e. what our faith is exactly. (laughs) And, uh, and so that's a great point that it can't be programmatic as I've said, but there are some technical expertise things that are in play here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that reminds me that if um, if they need to know why they're going to evangelize, because right without understanding that um, apart from Jesus, uh, because of our sin, we're separated from God, not only for this life, but forever, um, that one, like you said, Matt, it can really grow our understanding of the gospel, which is one of the goals for our students, right? Uh, Colossians 1, we want to present them mature in Christ. So as we train students to evangelize, hopefully they're becoming more mature in the process. But two, one thing we say here at our church is that, of course, we do certain evangelistic activities or um, it's late October. I know Linda's church and my church are both doing trunk or treat activities in the next in the next um, few weeks or even days. Um, but one thing we say here is that our best evangelistic um, outreach is our people, right? It's our students, because if if each of our students would even share the gospel one time like let's not even say every week, one time every month, there would be so many gospel conversations happening. um, And it wouldn't be bring the people into us to hear the gospel, which can be helpful at times, but it would be our students taking the gospel out to their schools and to their sports teams and to their family and friends. And, and as we can help transform just even how we think about evangelism with students, I think it have a long lasting effect. And so, Matt, in your time, you've been at your church for quite a few years. You've now seen um, even, I would think, even generations of students. And I think even in my time here, I've been at this church for six years, and it's fun to see students and younger siblings kind of transfer through. Um, How would you say in your setting where you're at in Texas and just thinking about cultural Christianity, we know our listeners are, are coming from broad places. Some people might say, I live in a cultural Christian area. Others might say I don't, but how would you say cultural Christianity kind of plays in to training your students how to evangelize? Uh, yeah, that's, it is so important to take into, um, take into your mind the context that you're living in. And we are in the buckle of the Bible Belt here in Texas. And, and so for the most part, most of the students that we come into contact with and who are friends of the students who are committed to their faith are cultural Christians. So, you know, they, um, are not converted, but they have grown up around in some way rubbing shoulders with the church or the gospel. And so 
what we are oftentimes looking for the most in Texas is renewal to happen, like true, the Holy Spirit coming in and dwell someone to renew them, uh, change their heart, you know, replace their heart of stone with the heart of flesh kind of thing. And um, what oftentimes that means is they need to see our students living out their faith in, uh, in a real and robust way. And we have to give those those friends of our students opportunities to come to Bible studies or to show up at youth group and to begin to experiencing something new and fresh about the Christian faith rather than just a set of things that my mom wants me to believe or my grandmother wants me to believe so that I can get into heaven one day. <laughs> yeah. And Linda, how would, how would you say, I, I know uh, you haven't been at your church, uh, in quite as long as in terms of length of time, but in your time there in, in Florida, near Orlando, how is cultural Christianity or just how your students are culturally affected evangelism training? Yeah, I would say a large number of our students, I've probably mentioned this before, uh, attend Christian schools here. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things um, that's on my mind when we talk about kind of outreach things are I tell them like, you know, I want you to be um, thinking of two students, you know, who either they don't know Jesus at all, or they're not actively engaged in a youth group anywhere. And so if they're identify, if they can't think of anyone they know that wouldn't at least claim to be a Christian, then maybe they can think like almost definitely they can think of two people in that second category that they're not actively engaged in a youth group somewhere. Um, and those people might be more likely to be the cultural Christians. Um, yes. Or maybe they are a Christian, they're just completely unconnected um, to a youth group somewhere. And man, like it would really benefit them to get connected to a youth group somewhere. Um, and so, yeah, one of the things we've done is uh, tell students to identify two students that fit one of those, and then they can do one of three things. They can be praying for them, they can be trying to have conversations with Jesus about them, or they can be inviting them to our programs. Um, so that that way, all of our students who come to our like youth group program are being invited to like join us in our mission. How often do you lay that before your students? Is that like the start of the school year? Is that more often than that? What does that look like? Yeah, um, probably the second or third week after the um, school year kicks off, I will talk about it up front from stage. Um, and part of the way that I couch it too is our. Um, our church's mission statement is inviting every person into the life-changing story of Jesus. And so our student ministries mission statement is just inviting every student into the life-changing story of Jesus. And I tell the students, like, that's not just a mission for me and the leaders, like you all are part of the mission too. Um, and then we give them these um, little uh, cards that have these action items for them and a space to write to um names and we give those to them so that they can take those home with them maybe they stick them in their bible maybe they stick it on their bathroom mirror just somewhere will, where they will see it and remember it and that's something that the small group leaders will just bring up in their small groups um, from time to time and not to say like oh like you haven't done any of this you're such a failure but to be like okay so how is that going like how can we join you in praying for these things have you been able to find two people um has it been difficult to find opportunities to um, talk to them or have you invited them and they just haven't wanted to come? Like, what can we join you in this for? Um, 
And yeah, so it's just, it sort of up to the small group leader, how much we're bringing it up. Sometimes I'll mention it from, um, the stage as well, but not every week am I diving into it deeply with my students. Um, but definitely throughout the semester, if that makes sense. Thanks, Thanks for mentioning that Linda, because yeah. I think that sometimes, uh, to what Matt said when we started this conversation, right? We can try to think super programmatically about how to do evangelism training when really sometimes our students just need to know um, that God has equipped them. One thing I like to say is that if they are believers in Jesus, that the same Holy Spirit that dwells in us as, as the leaders of the church is dwelling within them. And God has called us to go and to share the gospel with other people. And one thing that I found interesting the past couple of weeks uh, here in our youth ministry is it seems like we've had more non-believers coming to our youth group than previously. So I've had to kind of change a little bit of my language. Um, uh, in like I found myself Sunday morning, I was going to ask a question and put it on the screen. And I, I was using the word non-Christian. How would you explain this to a non-Christian? And I just realized, um, and even thinking of this conversation, by using certain lingo that doesn't really make sense, like I, I changed it to, how would you explain this to someone who doesn't yet believe in Jesus? Just by doing certain things like that can help train students how to think, because usually you wouldn't you wouldn't want to teach them, hey, go up to someone and be like, are you a non-believer or are you a non-Christian, <laughs> right? Like we chuckle at that because that, that doesn't make sense, yet oftentimes in the church, we overlook that. So I just encourage our, our listeners as we think about this, sometimes what sometimes our youth ministries might need an overhaul. Sometimes we might need to say, okay, it's time, like let, let's make an evangelism program and, and let's go all in. But sometimes maybe what we need to do is small incremental changes where we have them write the name of a few friends who aren't believers or have them, you know, say, hey, this week I want you to listen to your friends who are talking and what are they putting their hope in? And then when they come back, compare how those things compare to the hope that we have in Jesus. This just, can I just jump on to here real quick? Um, the, uh, this reminds me, sometimes we pit discipleship and evangelism against each other and we say, well, I want to be a discipleship ministry, not an evangelistic ministry. And the reality is if you're not doing evangelism, then you're not really doing discipleship because the disciples are called to go forth <laughs> into the world, right? And if you're not doing um, if you're not doing discipleship, then you can't really do evangelism. So, um, you, so just to pull back from my first comment, which is we don't want to be overly programmatic about the way we do evangelism, but we do have to have some sort of techniques and programs. Yeah. It's just that those techniques and programs and helpful things that we can help our students with, the only way that they really stick, generally speaking, to a non-believer is if there is a, is a, a, a beautiful life being lived by the disciples that they're coming into contact with. So the verse that I would go to for this is 1 Peter 3.15. We probably, most of us know this. In your hearts, honor Christ as holy. So there's the existential, like this is a disciple who honors Jesus, who cares about his holiness. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks. There's the there's the head. So there's a heart, there's a head aspect. I need to know what to say. Um, uh, and yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ might be put to shame. There's the hands. So there's always the adhesive of the gospel is a disciple who is living heart, head, and hands unto the Lord. 
And Matt, as you as you think about that, um, I th- I, I'm glad you I'm glad you pulled that out because that verse gets used quite a bit, but I don't think it usually gets described described as that. Um, when I think about uh, teaching that to students, what that does is it reminds them. We know one of the cliches that gets pulled around all the time is right, uh, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Right. Well, a verse like that shows us like our hands might be useful at times, but we need to be ready, right, to give a defense. What's a defense? Right. It comes out of our mouth and we need to declare that, um, declare that to other people. Um, Matt, are there any other um, just the second question I want us to kind of point to here um, is just Bible passages that have been helpful um, in training students in this area of evangelism. Uh, Matt, do any more come to mind? I know you just shared that one, um, or we can go to Linda to start. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'll throw yeah, one out go there for really it. quickly. Yep. Yeah, so one of the other verses that you can think of is from John 17, where Jesus talks about being in the world, uh, but not of the world. So I have given them your word. He's talking about the disciples, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them, that is the disciples, out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And so what, he's, what Jesus is saying there is, look, you're, <laughs> I've called you and sent you, my disciples, into this world. You can't be, you, can, you can't exit it. You can't create a holy huddle. You can't put up walls between you and outsiders. Um, the only walls that go up are uh, those walls that stop you from engaging in the value systems of the world, but not from engaging with the people of the world. And so, for instance, Halloween is coming up. I think Halloween is a night in America where all of your neighbors are outside. This is a fantastic opportunity to connect with the people that are in your, that are in your area. Um, we want to rub shoulders with the people of this world. That's what Jesus has called us to do. And yet we are trying to do the best we can to not live according to the same values um, as the people around us. We have a, we have, uh, we please Christ. We pursue him. We don't pursue ourselves. Yeah. And Matt, if we can get students to understand that, I just, for some reason, always pick the age 15, right? If we can get a 15 year old to really understand that God put them in the world and not of the world. And if they can really understand that 15, 16, 17, 18, just think of how for the next seven decades of life, if God lets them live to their nineties, they might be able to let that play out in their life. And that trajectory shift happened at the age of 15, which is very different from someone who might not have that evangelistic mindset and then lives very isolated. Um, I I just think that oftentimes we forget in youth ministry, and this is why here at the Word in Youth Ministry, we always want to push using the Bible. If God's Word can help change the trajectory, um, not only can it change a student's life now, but it can change all of the people they will evangelize to over the next decades of their life. Linda, let's go to you. Any Bible passages um, come to mind to be used that might be useful, not only to train students or that maybe you've used in the past? Uh, yeah, I was thinking of verses that would help students um, know how to explain the gospel. Yeah. You know, like this is one of the things that we would do, for instance, before a mission trip is make sure the students going on the mission trip actually know how to explain the gospel. Um, one that comes to mind that's very short and sweet is from 1 Peter 3.18. Christ suffered uh, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That's kind of just the first half of the verse. Mm. But I mean, you see in there like that there was there was bad news first. Like we had to be brought to God because something was not right in our relationship with God. 
Um, and it says that we are unrighteous, but it identifies Christ as the righteous one and also that he suffered. And so you're seeing a lot of, okay, it, there's, there was bad news. We were apart from God. We are unrighteous, but Jesus, um, lived a righteous life and he died for sin. Um, and that's good news. I think the one piece that's missing is just how do you respond to that? Yeah. Um, and so that's where I would probably look to other verses and stuff, but I, I think that's a really good starting place right there. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes today when we are thinking about evangelism and maybe it's just like a Christian cultural thing, but we, we, we usually start with us right? And where we are at, but that's not where the Bible starts, right? The Bible starts in the beginning, God. And so I think what you're saying, Linda, can be helpful. And I just hope our listeners, um, as we think about this, that we realize there's many different ways to do evangelism. I like to think about evangelism as being the bones, right? There's certain things that need to be in the evangelistic message. The Bible um, I was uh, discussing the gospel with someone recently and saying, no, the, the gospel is a Bible word. This isn't just a church word. It's a Bible word. But these are bones that then the skin or the flesh might look different on the bones, but the bones are all are all the same. And as we as we help our students to understand that, they might realize that sharing the gospel with their friend might look a little different than sharing the gospel with their grandma because likely they have a different relationship with their friend who sits next to them in school than their grandma who's known them their whole life. Um, but we need to remember that we're just urging them. The, the bones of the message are the same, but it just might look differently each time that we explain it. Um, I just wanted to share quickly one passage that comes to mind that I think can be helpful in youth ministry is just um, using selected passages in the book of Acts, right? Throughout the whole book of Acts, we see God spreading the message of the gospel forward and one that comes to mind is just Acts 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. One thing that I would just want to remind students is when Philip um, was sharing with the Ethiopian eunuch, it's so obvious that God was at work there, right? When, when the eunuch was being carried along, uh, it, it wasn't just by chance that the scroll that or the scripture that was being read um, was like a, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Right. It wasn't just by chance that that Ethiopian eunuch was hearing the gospel being read and then Philip was right beside, but that when we teach our students to evangelize, we must remind them that God is the one who is at work and that God is the one who brings people to us. Um, but we just must be faithful, just like um, Philip was faithful here in Acts chapter eight. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about pitfalls or roadblocks to avoid um, but as we do that, I just want to remind you, we would love to hear from you, uh, either with episode suggestions or questions that you'd like us to discuss here on the Word in Youth Ministry. You can email us at thewordinym at cpyu.org. That's thewordinym at cpyu.org. So we'll, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back to continue to discuss training our students to evangelize. Hey there, Youth Culture Matters listeners. We've been told that one of our best-kept secrets here at CPYU is our one-minute daily podcast, Youth Culture Today. Each and every weekday, we release a new episode that's timely, practical, and hope-filled, all for an audience of parents, youth workers, and anyone else who cares about kids. Here's a sample from one of our recent Youth Culture Today episodes. 
Youth Culture Today with Walt Mueller of the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. In our rapidly changing world, it is essential that Christians tether themselves to the unchanging Word of God. We must teach our children to do the same. Listen to these words from theologian J.I. Packer. We have to choose whether we will accept the biblical doctrine of Scripture as it stands or permit ourselves to refashion it according to our fancy. We have to choose whether to embrace a delusion that human creatures are competent to judge and find fault with the words of their Creator or whether to recognize this idea for the blaspheming that it is and drop it. We have to decide whether to carry through our repentance on the intellectual level or whether we shall still cherish our sinful craving for a thought life free from the rule of God. We have to decide whether to say that we believe the Bible and mean it or look for ways whereby we can say it without having to accept all the consequences. Parents, nurture your children into knowing and living God's Word. For more on youth culture, visit us on the web at cpyu.org. Youth workers, do your parents a favor and get them to subscribe to Youth Culture Today wherever they get their podcasts. And we're back here on the Word and Youth Ministry, episode 39, thinking about training students to evangelize. I did want to mention before we go a little bit further here that uh, this podcast is one of the Center for Parent Youth Understanding podcast network. Uh, We have three different podcasts, and I did want to recognize one of our previous episodes here on the Word and Youth Ministry uh, was focusing on apologetics uh, with Dr. Sean McDowell, who is out at Biola on the West Coast. And I just wanted to mention that because I know that as we think about training students to evangelize, sometimes we might think we don't know enough about answering cultural questions or how to explain things in the Bible um, to our students who are being exposed to so much more than we might have felt like we were exposed to when we were teenagers. But on episode 25 here of the Word and Youth Ministry, uh, Dr. Sean McDowell talked about a few resources that he would recommend around this idea of apologetics. And as we think about training our students to evangelize, I think that it might be helpful uh, to go back and listen to that episode. So as we uh, conclude this episode here, I want to think about a little bit about pitfalls and roadblocks that we would want to avoid uh, when training our students to evangelize. So Linda, can you start us off this? And then we're going to go straight to Matt afterwards. Yeah, I'll give two. So first I would say, avoid communicating this in a way that um, tells the students that evangelism is all results oriented, where they would think, oh, if I shared the gospel with a friend and they didn't respond positively, then that means I didn't evangelize well. Or they think I'm not doing this well if I can't get more and more friends to come to youth group with me. Um, make sure we're communicating it in a way that um, we're just calling them to be faithful and helping them to trust God with the results. Um, And the second thing I would say is don't overlook the team sport aspect of evangelism. In John chapter 13, um, Jesus says in verses uh, 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There is um, so much to the truth that we together as a church, as Christians, display Jesus's love to the world in a way that we as individuals can't. When others can look at Christians in a church and see them loving one another and living out all the other uh, one another commands we see in the scriptures, 
that is also a great evangelism tool. And so that's where students inviting their friends to things that you do with youth group is such a cool thing because they can see that being lived out and see God's love on display. Well, following your two, I have two as well, I guess. One, one is a little bit of a funny one. Um, it's missionary dating generally doesn't work. Um, so for every one, uh, for every one relationship that ended well, there's a number of them that didn't end well. Um, you tend to be the one that changes versus your partner. Um, so that's kind of my funny one, but, uh, that's, that's one pitfall to be avoided. The other is just a cultural insensitivity or maybe a thinking that there's one size fits all in evangelism. Uh, I think God calls us to be culturally thoughtful and sensitive, uh, and not just culturally, but just personally, or in our interactions with people, we we want to answer the questions that they're asking and not the questions that we want them to ask. So just for example, I think, you know, maybe our grandparents were asking the question, how can I be right with God? And that has a particularly uh, justification-focused answer, which is really great and important. I think a lot of the, our students' friends are asking, is there ultimate meaning in the world? Um, uh, do I matter? And so uh, a lot of evangelistic type conversations will hopefully begin um, with those kinds of questions. Yeah, you do matter because you're made in the image of God. That is, there's something irreducibly beautiful about you. You're not just a product of materialistic forces, whatever. Don't say it like that. <laughs> those, those are your shorthand ways of saying that. But so answer the question that they're asking, not the one that you want them to ask. Matt, I'm glad you brought up missionary dating. Uh, I think... Uh... Uh, someone I work with, Olivia, here in our student ministry uh, at the church, we talk about an epidemic in our youth ministry. It's not a pandemic, but it's an epidemic of missionary dating. And the other week we had uh, at least two, if not three kids who are dating uh, uh, friends who are not Christians. And I think they know that they shouldn't be doing that. So their next thought is, oh, well, I'll just bring them to youth group. And so it's it's been an interesting thing where uh, now for the past couple of weeks, uh, I, I'm thankful even for the evangelistic opportunity, but I heard of someone breaking up this week where I'm like, I'll probably never see that student again at youth group, uh, but they heard the gospel for a couple of weeks. Uh, but that's something that, yeah, we refer to as an epidemic in our youth ministry right now. But when I think of roadblocks, I think the last one I would just add to this is it similar to when we think about talking about um, just the mission or the vision of an organization. And usually we say, when you feel like you've said it too many times, that's usually when other people just begin hearing it. And when we think about evangelism, I just think as youth workers, um, we're probably not talking about evangelism too much. We're probably talking about it too little. So if we feel like we get to a point where we're mentioning evangelism or we're mentioning sharing their faith, we might feel like, oh, I, I'm saying this all the time our students probably aren't hearing it all the time. And so we must just get in the rhythm of saying that. And so the roadblock would be um, thinking that we're talking about it too much. And I would just encourage youth workers, let's encourage our students to evangelize. When we hear students uh, or stories of students evangelizing, let's let them share that with the youth group so that it can encourage our students that, you know, it doesn't have to be a pastor who's doing this. It could be them who do who does it. Um, but let's just continue to grow in this area. Um, I don't know any youth worker, and if, if you're listening to this and you feel like your youth group is good at evangelism, uh, we'd love to hear from you, but I think every youth ministry can grow in this area, and I hope that this has been helpful for you today. So this has been episode 39 of the Word and Youth Ministry. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to being with you next time. 
Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.